Welcome to the latest ATP podcast. I'm Seb Lozier, and as the ATP tour lands in South America, this week we hear from some of those players from Central and South America for whom this time of year typically means a little less travel and a bit more time with family and friends. Argentina, Mexico and Chile will all take turns to host events. The Cordoba Open reaches its climax this weekend. But we start in Brazil, host to the biggest event on the continent, the Rio Open, set to get underway next weekend. Last year, Carlos Alcaraz was the star attraction when he scooped the title in Rio as an 18-year-old, in doing so becoming the youngest ATP 500 champion since the category was created back in 2009. Injury permitting, Alcaraz will be back to defend his title this year. But closer to home, another player will also pull in big crowds at the jockey club. Brazil's Thiago Monteiro won two challenger titles last year and is knocking on the door of the world's top 50. A popular character, he's been speaking with Jill Krabus. My family is living in north of Brazil, which is like three hours flight from Sao Paulo. So I'm not so able to see them much. I mean, I, I spend two or three weeks in a year in the city I was born, in Fortaleza, mm-hmm. actually. So I, I see my mother three or four, or four yeah. weeks per year yeah. <laughs> if, if she doesn't go to Sao Paulo or something. But it's a lonely road. It's a little bit different, but I kind of used to at the moment mm-hmm. still. Do they come see you? Sometimes, yeah, often, sometimes yeah. yeah. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. But even... Even when they when they go there, I mean, I spend I don't spend like much time in Brazil actually, or or even in Argentina. I mm-hmm. think it's I've been traveling for the season. Uh, so, I don't know, maybe 32, 32 weeks mm-hmm. in a year, and some weeks of practice, and then some mm-hmm. weeks or home or. <laughs> Is your family able to come to you at pl- play at tournaments at all? Not much. I mean, just in Brazil, just the the just real in open. Brazil, just yeah. they they went to to the real open, but. Uh, uh, Do you talk to them pretty I often? Have, yeah, 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 yeah. I try yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try to if I'm not so sad after a loss. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, then it's also a goal to try to take or my brother or my mother to a Grand Slam or mm-hmm. to a tournament, a big tournament that they always wish to go. So I'll try to, to do that. I want to ask you about the travel a little bit because for South Americans and, for example, Australians as well, you have to ready be ready to be on the road for yeah. long months at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, more mental than physical, would you agree? It's totally mental, yeah. yeah, it's totally mental. Because normally when I we go for the uh, summer season, I mean, on the play in Europe, we always have to go, I don't know, from Monte Carlo or from Barcelona to Roland Garros or more because it's mm-hmm. it's not that cheap or it's not that easy to uh, I don't know after torment loss and go home and then go back again it's mm-hmm. it's not that this logistics don't, don't, don't doesn't work for us so uh, different from the European players but uh, it's our mentality but uh, it's we are used to I mean sometimes when I say when I tell someone that I ah, know this is my seven weeks straight or this is my nine weeks <laughs> straight they just call no I, I think you're crazy yeah. <laughs> I cannot spend like two weeks away from home or three weeks so but for us it's kind of has Normal. to be this way yeah yeah 
So I know I know some players um, they have bases in different areas of the yeah. world. Do you yeah. have a base that you can go to if you need a break, or Sometimes, do you just keep going? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I start to work with also. I have two coaches actually, mm -hmm. one from Argentina and one from from Spain. And I spent two weeks in the in the between of torment in in uh, Alicante, where is the the academy, his mm -hmm. academy. So. Uh, I did this for the first time, but uh, I don't like it. I don't oh, like yeah, it. No, no, why? No, it's not It's not home at all, you know, it's just... It's a it play didn't feel to, like he gave you that break or... Yeah, but for me, the break is go home yeah. or see friends or see the family. This is a break, of course, uh, not playing tournaments, but I'm away from home. Yeah. And at the, the first week for me, it was... Uh, I got more more upset <laughs> I was I rather be in the torment than uh, to okay. just stop give a break and mm -hmm. practice for away from home but I don't know I prefer to to go from to one torment to another mm -hmm. so, so it's it's better for the, the routine it's better at, at least I'm kinda feel that I'm not wasting time <laughs> but also practice is good but yeah I have this base here but mm -hmm. I don't I understand. Much. <laughs> yeah. What What else would you say? Hobbies, interests that you like to do off the court, just to get your mind away from tennis. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really like to play paddle. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah, oh my yeah. god! But there is not much paddle in Brazil yet. Okay. But sometimes I I play. I just like to to relax a bit, to spend. Does some that give days. your mind a break though? Because it's somewhat yeah, similar. Yeah, yeah, it's, it it, yeah. It's similar, okay. but it's different. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm sharing the court with friends and okay, having a good okay. time, so okay. <laughs> no pressure. Okay. <laughs> But uh, no, I like to go to the beach or to spend time just uh, relaxing with my, my family or friends, uh, try to enjoy the, the most. Yeah. And I want to ask you one more thing, because you're the top Brazilian player right now. I know you've had some advice, some influence from Querton, who you, yeah. was one of your idols. What, what has he helped you with, would you say, the most? Uh, when I moved, because I, I, I moved from from my city to south of, of where was his coach academy at the age of 14 and then he helped me in the in, in this move like when i was junior he was kind of my manager the he helped me a lot uh during the juniors and right. trying to find some uh a mentor maybe mentor, yeah mentor okay. and also yeah, manager. manager and okay. yeah trying to to find sponsors so i could afford some travels and also i was sharing some time on court with him because he was still uh, practicing sometimes at, at the moment and it was a really great experience. I mean, uh, he's a great guy. He's the biggest idol not just uh, in tennis for us but also in sports we have like him and Pelé and Senna. So it's it was amazing to share a lot of moments with him and also to see how humble he is. It was everything so uh, normal and the first time I saw him I was practicing uh, in the academy and then at the end of the day uh, I got a ride with him because the transportation had left and I was like on court still and also him and then we he took me home together it, it was fun because he was talking to me like I was I don't know his brother or yeah. his old 
That's friend. Cool. So, yeah. And it was just the first time I was seeing him. So oh, no uh, tennis talk, just hanging out, or yeah, what I mean, did you guys was, talk yeah, about? Yeah, he was like, ah, yeah, wh- which kind of music you like? Yeah. Uh, you can turn on the radio, yeah. the, this stuff. But yeah. I was like, so this is weird for me because I'm seeing the <laughs> my biggest idol, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we are having this conversation. It's it's kind of were you nervous? Uh, I was really yeah. <laughs> very nervous. <laughs> uh, I I was thinking that I was. Uh, dreaming (laughs) but uh, it was good and then we share a lot of uh, time on court also in Paris he saw me playing the juniors there Mm -hmm. and we practiced good together there so uh, he helped me a lot at at this time and it was uh, it's great to have uh, this uh, personality as a friend what exactly did he help you with would you say the most um I mean experiences uh there was experiences a ta- he had yeah also experiences he had there was a time that I want to quit <laughs> really <laughs> when, when was, was that yeah, I feel when I was 15 when I moved home it was different uh, uh, culture uh, it's, every, uh, it's kind of a tough road <laughs> but uh, there was a time that I wanted to quit to quit and uh, it was everything so tough the, the, the practice conditions and everything I was not used to, to that it was the first year away from home I was missing so much my family and it was everything was different but uh after we talk i mean i went to the academy to say goodbye to everybody but he wanted to talk with me and also larry which was his coach and after we talk he shared me this the the same experience he told me that he wanted to quit like twice three times but he kept going and kind of it was a, a normal feeling I, I thought that I was feeling something that I could not uh, play anymore I could not like reach a high level but when I understood understood that was normal mm-hmm. to, to feel that way and adaptation and away from home and everything I just uh, kind of and her, uh, hear uh, the, those words from him it was kind of uh, peaceful for me, and then I just uh, quit the the willing to quit <laughs> and start to practice again, and and yeah, here I am. So that's really valuable information, right? Because even while you still want to play, of course, of course there yeah, are yeah. moments throughout the year, yeah, yeah, right, but where it's you normal, might yeah. have those struggles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after after this time, when I was fourteen or fifteen, mm-hmm. after this, I never had this feeling anymore but I, I it's it happens a lot especially I, f- I think to, to any player at the young age and uh, starting to practice more or have more a professional life and traveling mm. and it's everybody I, I think struggle uh, with this for that sometimes so it's the experience the experience that he shared with me was really helpful and then I just kept going after. So do you feel like the fact that you went through that as a youngster helps you in the challenging moments now when you have challenging moments? Yeah, of course, not not just because of that, but because of the sport. I mean, uh, leaving home so early, uh, having to to adapt an adult life at the age of 14, 15, traveling alone, uh, living alone, uh, all this stuff that all this, those experience that tennis gave to me helped me uh, during any uh, tough or any challenging moments. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, for sure. Also, a uh, few years ago, I had a really tough injury, but I was so mentally strong because all the things that I 
got through that I recover faster than the, the, the usual. So I think always to be optimistic and having this resilience uh, was the key for, for reach what I'm reaching today and also more. Yeah. And uh, your goal is top 50 now. One of your goals. Yeah, any, yeah, yeah. Any top. other goals? I, I, I want to win the an ATP title, an ATP yes. title, yes. Yeah. I will work very hard to try to do this uh I mean, it's a, it's a goal that I, I want to achieve, so I will be working a lot on that, and I think I have uh, good possibilities, so I just need to, to be calm, work well, and uh, compete. Yeah. Well, we're wishing the best for you. Thank you so much for spending so much time with us. We appreciate it, and best of luck. No, my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Tiago Montero still on a tennis journey. And the same can be said for seasoned Argentine coach Eduardo Infantino, who's currently with America's Brandon Nakashima, having worked previously with the Italian Tennis Federation and helped guide the fortunes of Juan Martín del Potro, David Nalbandian and Guillermo Correa, among others. Much of his philosophy stems from what he learned in his early days watching the great Guillermo Vilas And he told Jill that the process of learning should never stop. We learned our to be professional in Argentina and South America with Villas. And then uh, in Italy, the idol was a different kind of tennis, more, more technique, Panata, Bertolucci, Paolo. So they, and also all the school in Italy was very technique. Mm-hmm. No? So uh, my approach was mixed the effort, the discipline, the the culture of sacrifice, what we learned in Argentina from Villas, and mix up with the culture one player like the one who I told you. Mm-hmm. And that was, I was moving to Italy to working with Camporese, Omar Camporese, mm-hmm. very good player in this moment. So I tried to mix in this moment, to start to mix cultures and, and, and a style of tennis, no? I think was the the biggest step in my career when I started. Okay. And and then I go back to Argentina and, and then okay, yeah. it's moving forward. Well, I'm curious because everyone can learn from everybody, right? Yeah. So you learned a lot coming to Italy. What do you feel like players and coaches can learn from the system in Argentina? Yeah, maybe I don't I don't check too much what happened in Argentina <laughs> because it's natural for me, no? Right. Um, the tennis changed after the the war of Berlin go down because it's coming on the tour all the Russian, the Serbian. Mm-hmm. So and this was the big change in the tennis. Mm-hmm. This was change everything. How did, how so? Uh, because before that, just with the talent and uh, good effort was coming out. People like Curtin Rios. A big talent, amazing talent. But then when the war of Berlin came down, no, it's coming the all the legion from Russian, no, and people from Russia, not just player, mm-hmm. uh, mother, fathers, and then if you check today how the situation, uh, Zverev had the mother of Russian right. and Tsitsipas also, and maybe in the top 20, I can I cannot count how many father or mother of the player even in Canada, Raonic, yeah. okay, all this. So the influence uh, or the, 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 the world was more open to everywhere in the last uh, maybe 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And then that's get a strong influence 
about the physical condition, the development also in, in, in the tennis uh, standards. Yeah. Standard. I'm talking about standards. Right. Uh, we cannot talk about the top three or top four players who made the history in the last uh, 15, 20 years, right. like, uh, like Nole, Roger, Nadal, or even Murray. We, we need to talk about other topics mm -hmm. about these players, no? about the, how they work in the strategy, the physical, the technically, the development, other, other mm -hmm. strategies. But in the standard situation was the big step for everyone. Mm -hmm. no? And uh, okay, that's part of the history. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to follow. And now, because you've spent so many years in so many players' yeah. careers, has how has it changed in your eyes? Yeah, for me, it was very important also to develop the last ten years. I was uh, working in in the, in the Italian Federation for almost ten, eleven years uh, when I finished with El Potro. And then I came back for the Baghdadis to the tour for almost two years, but then I was back to the Italian and then changed everything because Italia put a in, in very interesting system between the private system, pri private and the coaches, and they opened the mind to everyone, to every federation. And um, As far as opportunities or...? Yeah, I think was... I learned a lot about a lot about them, yeah. but uh, we learned everybody together because uh, even the Italian Federation opened the center in Argentina to learn how is the mentality in South America. Uh, you you asked me about the the the, the, the South mentality, the mentality yeah. and this kind of mentality was uh, the kind of mentality we follow with Curtin also. And with all the Argentinian players, no, like uh, I don't know how many Puerta, Gaudio, Squilari, Savaleta, uh, even the was four, f almost four, five generation of top ten. Yeah. Of top ten generation of top ten. Yeah, that's amazing. Yes, yes, yes. What, yes. what were the? What do you feel like were the keys to that certain mentality? Big, what what big, was that certain big, mentality? Big coaches. Big coaches. Yeah. Okay. The, this moment was the interaction of the coaching was bigger. Uh, all the was m uh, more easy to share in uh, information uh, with all the coaches, big coaches. So everyone was learning about. Uh, that's happened also with Roger. No, they was changing coachings during his career who helped him to develop his tennis. <laughs> And they was looking a lot to the past, not just to the future. And uh, this kind of mentality was, uh, I think, one of the key in South America. And uh, that was the key for the uh, the next generation also. Right. And uh, that also is the why why so many projects stop in one moment when coaches don't open still his eyes and looking for another way of practice regarding the physical condition, recuperation, recovery and everything. So it's very it's very interesting That's still. Yeah. So coaches sharing information. Openly. Yeah, now it's more easy because uh, because for the internet and everything. Yeah. But uh, sharing coffee 
sharing coffee information <laughs> or wines, no, or beers, no, or something like this, like no, that. with friends, yeah, no, like uh, okay, very good friend of uh, all people like Gunter Breisner, Ricardo Piatti, uh, uh, all 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 people, no, yeah. our bread now is died, but uh, all these kind of uh, people who. I, I get a strong influence for, for, yeah. from, from French also with them. So it's almost a culture in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Igueras also in America, of course. Right, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about, because it's such an um, interesting sport because it's individual. Yeah. But do you feel like that can span into players as well, communicating better, sharing, maybe pushing each other as well as players or is that difficult in this yes yes but I think also it's good when uh, uh, now um, this new generation is moving fast so it's good for everyone yeah because everyone push themselves no so and even now for me is the a good opportunity to look if we are be able to produce the next the next top three, top four, top five, really from America. Mm -hmm. No, that not happen, but real, no, real, consistently mm -hmm. project, top four, top three, top five from America. Yeah. That maybe the last one maybe was Roddick, if I don't, uh, for if I don't miss anyone. Mm -hmm. So that's a good opportunity for me yeah. to try. Yeah. To help. Y yes, you've done a lot as far as developing players in general. Yeah, yeah. When you see a player, what because we talk so much about process, yeah, what is your what would your process be as far as developing players? Yeah, technique is the basis of everything. Technique, the if you don't have the right right technique, you need to have a super ability, or you need to be super intelligent, or you need to be super fast physically. Oh, you need to be super something. <laughs> <laughs> super. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you need to work better, harder, and smart to the other one. Yeah. So that's this kind of nice competition between uh, systems, no, uh, cultures, uh, interactions, no. Uh, it's something is still interesting for me. Yeah. No, to try. Yeah. But of course, try to do with it, with friends. Yes. With friends, the French leaf is still it's very important. Yes. Yes. And we we've spoken about the players that you've worked with already. I want to focus on Del Porto for a moment because obviously playing in a time with Roger, Rafa, Novak, yeah. he was able to get that Grand Slam title, which not yeah. many players could could get during this time. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. looking at your face, yeah. and you're like. Yeah. <laughs> What, I mean, he had the big game to do he it. He had everything. He has everything. Um, it was sad to see him retire, actually. Yeah. But what in, what is so key for that moment to be able to push through? For sure. Those I, think, I think, I think uh, um, for this kind of player, is team is everything. Uh, the ability to choose the right physical condition, the right medical, the right doctors, uh, maybe even living in Europe, choice, mm -hmm. make the choice. Why was that important? Because to America in one moment is far away. Okay. So the tennis, if you took how many 
top 10 was from America, from Europe in the last 20 years is easy. Mm. So at the end, if you're coming from South America, you need to stay. It's like your office, it's like your job. Mm. If you work in the office, you need to live where is the best for your career. Mm-hmm. If you try to to stay in the middle, no, and something mix, and then you do some mistake because you need to deal with emotion, with girlfriends, with wife, with friends, with family problems, and uh, to be at this level, or you are lucky and you was born in Europe, or you need to take a strong decision. I have the commitment for your goals. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you need to accept how the destiny mm-hmm. put for you, no? Yeah. Or something like this, no? Yeah. I, I I don't know if you understand yeah, the, the right. Yeah. So I think maybe for the Potro, of, co- of course, he has many problems physically, but maybe uh, if he was uh, living, that's my, my, my feeling, okay? I cannot... I kind of give opinion. I have feelings. No, I have. I think today, even in South America, if you want to choose and be really competitive or live in, in even in America, if you live in America and you really want to be the chance to compete in the top five or top three or top four, the place to live is still in Europe until the system is ready. Okay. okay. Is it the system, or is it all, is it also about having the capability of practicing with a lot of top players, maybe different surfaces as well? Is that maybe all? no? There is some place where uh, we practice all together, like Monte Carlo. At least spend more time. Yeah. Okay. At okay. least not don't leave, but at least spend more time. Maybe uh, that's why I choose to stay now in 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 still in Europe. Yeah. And try to mix with with Franco Davin uh, this project with uh, with Nagashima, yeah. and see if the strategy uh, we can find the the good solution mm-hmm. for the all the problem, no? Because always it's one problem, another problem, another problem. So every it's like Formula One, no? Mm-hmm. You need to resolve new situation all the time. But the eighty percent of our our team is uh, from South America. Mm-hmm. And Europe, yes. I, I don't. Ta- I don't talk in a, nothing again. American. No, please. I know. I know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But like uh, Igueras, I think di- did a big step in in the tennis in mm. in 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 America, or maybe I have the chance to to do in Italy, and sometime uh, the French, the French, did in 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 Canada. Mm. Okay, this kind of mix of culture is interesting yeah. in the process. Yeah. Eduardo Infantino there, and from one Argentine mastermind to another. Candy Reid has been speaking with Coco Goff's coach, Diego Moyano, whose previous client roster includes Kevin Anderson, Tommy Paul, and Riley Apelka. So what does he look for in an aspiring player? To be the best player that you can be, you need to be a well-rounded person. Mm. You, need, you, need, you need to be... You need to have... Uh, knowledge of the world that is you uh, surround you i mean it is not possible you need you need to be able to to think to see the people around you to, i mean I'm, I'm a big believer even if we on the tennis side you we live in a bubble because we have to do it you, you your mind has to be focused i mean you, i understand that but beside that you have to get as close as you can from a normal life 
they, this is my this is my philosophy so um so having having a normal life having friends having boyfriend uh, girlfriend whatever whatever makes you happy then you have to obviously you have to sacrifice certain things uh, like we go we can go over yeah well uh, i want a, a girlfriend but but i cannot i traveling 30 weeks per year well that's another problem that we're mm. gonna we're <laughs> gonna have to deal with but but if you have the chance to do it just just experiment go go on the and then you know and 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 that's uh same with the art with the galleries the fashion the uh, wh what is your passion just just use the tennis to transport you to kind of achieve your 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 goals that you could have outside the tennis i mean like the the, the enjoy the real the, the really nice things that the life can can provide you because i think tennis is quite insular isn't it like you said it's easy to get into a bubble but if you actually look forward to traveling to going to see something that you haven't seen because it's awfully easy at tennis tournaments just to be around the players area go back to the hotel come back to practice and that kind of life can get pretty overwhelming pretty soon i'd imagine yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that that's what i'm saying so i encourage them to read mm. uh play instrument um so if if they can play instrument well kevin kevin used to travel with with the with the guitar uh but but do do things that they really find ways to uh like leave things that you you really could enjoy yes uh go to the concert uh sport um like like we talk i mean la last year i i do it myself i mean i i'm big fan of real madrid last year in madrid <laughs> i i could play the i could go watch the semi-final of the, the uh, Champions League and then the final in Paris. So so uh, that's something that, that I think the coaches has to encourage the players to mm. to actually do. The, be the closest as the normal life or enjoy what whatever the, those city that you, we go in or the countries can provide you. And Kevin Anderson was a very intelligent guy as well. He always came across like that and graduated from a US college. So when did you start working with him? Well, I as soon I um, I uh, left the USTA, so I, I I went I stayed ten years at the USTA, and 2019 I uh, I stopped, and he called me. Um, so we had a, we had a meeting, and uh, so I, I actually I asked him I, I asked all all the players that when I started, well, why me, and um, and we're talking and, and he asked me the same question and he said <laughs> well why me why as a coach you're gonna so well uh, look you're, you are a very smart guy very professional why one of the most professional guys that this is playing on the circuit and I would like to learn from your eyes I would like to see things the way that you see things and 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 see how professional you are and and and, and push myself to go that way it was a pretty fun and then and then we end up uh, we, we have a really good relation and uh, and actually I, I improve as a as coach uh, I improve a lot working working with him yeah he seemed like a terrific guy and then now you've moved on to the um, WTA tour is this the first female in Coco Golf that you've taught one-on-one -on -one as at the top level yes yes one-on-one -on -one, yes uh, I decided I never coach a a female um, in my in my coaching career. I mean, after the time that I told you about, uh, I mentioned about started with men's and women at the yes, USTA. Yes, with Sloane Stevens like, and Lauren Davis and Madison Keys. Correct. Well, uh, 
the last in 2019 when when I started I started working with with Ayla Tomjanovic as a part time kind of helping her um, when I was in Boca and then uh, and then last year I uh, not last year was 2021 I was with Kevin and helping Sloan and Ayla. So it was a... That's a lot of work. A lot of work, a lot of work. <laughs> Actually, last year, I had all three. It didn't go well, but but it was a lot of work. And um, But a one-on-one, yes. In in March, uh, I decided kind of to start with Coco uh, um, to kind of a great challenge, uh, I think. I think that was a, a great uh, project for, for me. And, and she wanted to to work with me so so kind of it fits well and I did I decided that uh, going on to into the WTA with, with Coco and, and actually here we are. It's a big difference though isn't it between coaching men and coaching women I mean it's easy to say that but uh, there are emotional differences I could say that as a, a woman uh, how do you combat that? Oh, it's, you fascinating. Got used to it? it's fascinating uh, the, the see the difference and again it's, it's go, going also uh, back on the preparation and the communication is is totally you have some communalities <laughs> and some uh, uh, many differences uh one is the emotions yeah they men and women they deal completely different with the emotions the way that you communicate it has to be different completely different uh the I mean, we can go over and over. I mean, <laughs> we can go on and on with with. This, uh, but it's, it's fascinating. I mean, the kids, talking with kids. Actually, I have a daughter that is seventeen years old. That helps and, probably. Oh, that helped me. I mean, I have a son that is twenty-one, and a daughter that is seventeen, and that helped me a ton. I mean, back on the days when I was coaching the ninety-seven, ninety-eight, and all the social media star, coaching them, was helping me to be a better. Or, or better father because I was understanding they were older than 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 my son and my daughter so it was like helping that, that was helping me to understand my my kids and now it's kind of a little bit inverse going through that is helping me to understand uh, uh, Coco I mean Coco and, and my daughter they have a lot of things that they're like very very like <laughs> similar so it's like um, the social media, the way that they deal with the social media, they're identical. Is your daughter into TikTok as much as Coco uh, yeah, is? Yeah, 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 yeah. She, she, they, they are. And, and uh, they are. Coco and said they... you're a good dancer and you like to be on no, no, TikTok. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like no, I like I like to dance. I, I like to dance. I like a lot to dance, but I don't I don't dance. Have you well. got the loose I'm hips? Not, you're Argentinian no. after all. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying, but it's it's tough. It's tough. It's funny that she say that because she always we always joke internally. But uh, she said that, that um, I, I couldn't stop laughing about that. That is really good. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, so, so that's uh, very, very interesting on, on the differences. Yeah. Well, uh, you've done certainly so much good work, Diego. It's uh, been wonderful to chat with you. I think I could talk with you for about three or four hours more. You've probably got so much more information, but uh, perhaps we'll do it again. But for now, I will say a very heartfelt thank you from the HP podcast. And uh, let's talk again in about 12 months' time and see how you get Yeah, on. that would be awesome. Thank <laughs> you thank you so much for, for having me. I really love to talk about tennis and, and go over stories and, and kind of tennis information. So that, that was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Diego Moyano with Candy Reed. And to hear more of that chat, check out the podcast channel on Wednesday. Sticking with Argentines, 
Sebastian Baez had a breakthrough year in 2022 with a maiden ATP Tour title in Estoril. He's been sharing how he likes to travel with the team at ATP Uncovered. Hello, I'm Sebastian Baez. Let me show you how I travel. Okay, first item. What are you going to show us first? Sir? The first item is this one. It's this book. The monk who sold his Ferrari. Tell me about that. It's a liar, the biggest, and he's not happy. So he wants to change the life. He put all the, the life before. He changed the mind, the everything, and he understand a different part of the life. And the next is my iPad. Why do you travel with this? What do you watch or use your iPad for? I use the iPad most to, to watch some videos or my games or tournaments or my, my opponents. It's so important for, for us and I think it's a, it's a help, it's different. And do you ever watch any Netflix, any movies? The last I saw was Stranger Things. It's nice, but it's different because it's, it's a fantasy, so it's not to understand something on the life, it's just to, just to enjoy it one moment. The next is my favorite game, chess. Chess, oh, very interesting. Okay. Yeah. Who do you play chess with? With my coach. We already played a big matches, one hour or more, but that's entertainment we found on, on the travels or on the plane. I try to think about the games, about how busy is, how I move, thinking about the other guy. Do you bring some of those skills to the tennis court yeah. in thinking about your opponent and how he's playing? No, no opponent, but sometimes to, to think about my game, how I have to play all the movements to win the game. The last one. One of the most important, the AirPods. AirPods. Yeah. This is for listening to music? Every time. Every time. And what do you like to listen to? What's your, what's your playlist? My playlist, I have 1,000 songs, so it's all different. So it depends on the time, it depends on the hours, it depends on the day. So I have all the music for all, all the times. Do you like to listen to music before a match? Uh, before the match, I listen Eminem. Okay, to get you like pumped up and... Yeah, for me, for all the history and, and the music and the words used on the song. These are the things I travel with. I hope you enjoy it and thank you guys. Thanks to ATP Uncovered and Kate Flory. And next week we'll have an in-depth chat with Sebastian Baez. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. So far we've heard from South American powerhouses Brazil and Argentina. And now we head to El Salvador. At Roland Garros last year, Marcelo Arevalo made history, becoming the first player from Central America to become a men's doubles champion. Since that huge honour, he's been determined to make the most of everything that's come with it. I would say change uh, in a certain way, professionally. I'm still uh, the same guy uh, <laughs> from Sonsonate, El Salvador. Uh, no, I think uh, it changed, it changed uh, quite a bit. I believe in a positive way. I think uh, it, it uh, had a, a big impact, especially in the kids uh, back at home, to believe, you know, a little bit more. Uh, tennis is not a, a popular sport in our region at all, uh, not only 
in El Salvador, but also Central America and the Caribbean. And 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 and, and, I, and I think uh, winning a slam kind of opened uh, the hope, you know, or create hope for uh, all those kids that are trying to play professional or or go to college and get a scholarship, and then after college, uh, I try to pay pro like the way I I, I did it, you know, and and and, and those things uh, makes me really happy because uh, at the end of the day, tennis is a is a great sport, but uh, if you can impact some people in in life and then somehow help them, that's what really uh, give me uh, give me joy, you know. Do you still remember the feeling when you clinched it? Yeah, I remember that uh, as soon as they missed the last return, I just turned to my box and and I couldn't believe it. You know, like it was a it was a dream since I was a kid, uh, especially coming from El Salvador. You know, uh, uh, just telling yourself or, or like dream about winning a slam, it was just like not real. You know, and then uh, achieve. Uh, and that that dream uh, in that moment, you know, when after like a, a battle of three three hours, it was just an amazing feeling. Uh, you became the first man or woman to win a major championship from Central America, and I'd love to know more about how it's changed your homeland. So, when you went back home to El Salvador, what was the reaction? Well, I think it was a a big thing back at home. Uh, the president uh, invited me to to the president house and uh, and we had a chat and he personally uh, congrats me and 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 he said he watched the match and he was telling me a uh, few points that he saw and because I had a a great point when I when I dive and and and, and we ended up winning the point so so he saw all those points and he was quite uh, happy and 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 excited you know for. Uh, for me and, and and yeah for the team you know and then and, and he was asking me uh what was my schedule looking for the next uh, few months and then we had a we had a great uh, a great chat and i mean it feel great that that, that uh, your own president you know kind of uh took the time after you know like you know those guys are super busy you know taking care of basically <laughs> the whole country <laughs> and uh, yeah he took the time to to watch the match yeah how is tennis in El Salvador? Let's say before, as you were growing up, what kind of uh, facilities did they have? No, uh, I would say we we were super lucky. We always had a great facilities. Uh, we were getting help from from the ITF, you know. So the ITF uh, really uh, helped those uh, uh, countries in the region, and then uh, we had a. Uh, the National Tennis Federation with uh, 16, 70 courts, uh, 13 hard courts, and and three uh, clay courts. So, so yeah, we cannot complain about our uh, facilities. Uh, you know, those were great, and and, and also now that uh, the national government, the, the government of the sports, also is putting some money on that, and then uh, uh, fixing the courts. You know, like making them new and everything. So. We've been we've been super lucky with the with the facilities. And what about the standard of coaching when you were growing up? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, coaches. Uh, we we didn't have probably like the best coaches. You know, like they they were uh, learning um, little by little. You know, like when I was playing uh, juniors and I was one of the the top juniors. Um, yeah, I, I I didn't have probably the best guidance. You know, like. Uh, 
but you know like I trusted always uh, my 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 people around and and I think at the end of the day that's uh, that's the most important you know like uh, trust trust your team uh, choose uh, the person that are close to you wisely and then and, and, and then just just follow them and then at some point uh, we we all learn in the in the process it probably helped having a brother, an older brother. Yeah, that's was for sure. Better than you, and maybe your parents probably made mistakes, a few mistakes with your older brother that they didn't make with you. Yeah, of course, uh, that was that was a huge uh, advantage that I have over my uh, older brother. You know, he was the one that was opening uh, the way, mm. basically. You know, because before him. I think that it was only one guy uh, that had a ATP ranking, but he was raised in, in Germany. And uh, with uh, his parents, uh, uh, one of his parents was Salvadorian, but he was not raised in El Salvador. So my brother was uh, the, the first actual uh, man from El Salvador that was raised and born there. And then he was uh, finding his way in the in the professional tour you know and 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 after him it was me but uh as you said my parents already knew <laughs> what to do what not to do uh which tournaments to play and it was way uh easier for me and then and also having him at home uh of course with more experience also he was helping me uh in my technique uh practicing with him uh, with with me i was taking advantage of practicing with someone that was much better than me at some point you know and then he was practicing with me that you know he didn't have much much uh challenge mm. you know so but 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 yeah at the end of the day it was uh it was uh, the the family pushing uh for me and for him and 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 he decided to quit uh when he was still young you know i remember he went to the olympics uh he had a great uh, run at the olympics he lost in second round to roger federer when oh. roger was still number one in the world <laughs> and uh yeah he did a he did a great match like six four six three and yeah and after that he uh he quit in that in in that moment when I saw him on, on, on TV playing against the number one in the world actually gave me a lot of hope you know like having someone that close to me that he was able to play at that level I said like if if he's doing it I I can also do it you know Marcelo Aravallo inspiring the next generation for El Salvador Another Grand Slam champion was back in regular tour action this week still coming to terms with the after effects of the biggest win of his career in Melbourne Alongside fellow Brazilian Luisa Stefani, Rafael Matos won the mixed doubles title at the Australian Open this year. And it's fair to say life in Cordoba this week has been just a little bit different. So how did his nerves hold up on the day of his biggest ever final? Candy Reid asked the question. Since I wake up, I was really nervous before I entered the court and during the match. But I think it was it was really important this moment, this moment that the when you are nervous you cannot control, so that you you be nervous so you can control what we what we will do with that. And I think we we did good, so I think what it was one of the the keys for us. Does it help um, playing with a fellow Brazilian? Just the chemistry, obviously the language is the same. But uh, the mindset, perhaps, is is also similar. Yes, yes. Uh, I think the the communication in doubles it's really important. And uh, have another Brazilian. I can speak Portuguese. Uh, it's more natural. So you can be yourself. Uh, we are similar as mentality. We are calm. We 
we are we are similar so <laughs> i think it's it's a good combination and like i said mentality we are similar but our our game mm -hmm. it's different so we we have this combination i i think it's good i play more more from from the back she played more at the net and i think it's it's a a nice match um you've won six titles before you came to australia and that's a seventh now just around uh, $500,000 in career prize money what will this change for you looking forward i think uh it's a motivation uh since you are you are a kid you 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 dream you have these goals so now that it's it's happening feels good you you feel more confident to to win matches to win money uh, i think it's more to from from this side that, that you take this confidence to to play the financial aspect is quite hard because where you've been playing on the challenger itf circuit there's not much money involved um, so this is a real boost to the bank balance and it will perhaps give you um, more help with strength and conditioning and a um, better way to travel. Is, is that the case? Is there anything else that will help you um, being a bit more financially freedom looking forward? Yes, like you said, and at ITF uh, futures or at the challengers for doubles is special. You have to invest, you have to, to believe that it will work to, to get here and, and play the tournaments that will pay more money. So work hard it, it's it was fundamental for this and yes now with with this that you said you can have some benefits mm -hmm. and you'll to, try to invest yes. in yourself yes to always to be better at the tournaments to uh, have your body feeling feeling better yes and what do you think this will do to um uh, tennis in brazil now you've won the mixed doubles here oh i think uh like I said before, and uh, we have been inspired by Guga, by another uh, Maria Starbueno, by another players. So I hope and that it inspired another kids to to play, to believe that it's possible, and you know, don't just. Yeah. Rafael Matos, uh, Australian Open 2023 mixed doubles champion. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Another player inspired by the feats of the legendary Brazilian Gustavo Guga Curtin is the former junior world number one from Paraguay, Daniel Vallejo. He's been speaking with Jill Krabus. I'm training now, uh, like four months ago, in the Rafa Nadal Academy in okay. Manacor. So, yeah, I was basically uh, training my whole life in Paraguay, but now I'm back in Spain. Okay, and so how did that come about? How did you start How'd you get that opportunity to train there? Well, basically, my coach from Paraguay got me a, a like a how do you call it, a scholarship uh, to go Managora. I try it, and yeah, they were pretty happy with me, so I just stay there for now. Is it is it a hard being away from home, or do you I, miss Paraguay? At the beginning, yeah, but you get used to it. We're always traveling a lot, so you yeah. get used to it fast. And what has your experience been like when you first went to the Rafa Nadal Academy? It was pretty, I mean, I was pretty happy always because they treat you like, yeah, you're important. Uh, so that's why, I mean, that's why you like, you know, as a tennis player. And the practice, the the physio, the fitness, it's pretty good. And you have obviously uh, great players like Rafa or Casper Ruth who are, are always there basically. So you get to practice with them. So it's a nice experience. And what is the what is your typical day been when you're at the academy? Typical day, um, you practice 
uh, I was practicing now, I was practicing at, let's say, 8.30 fitness to like 10. And then you have uh, a session of tennis uh, from 11 to 1, most of it. And then you have lunch and you have a uh, session of tennis again from like 4 to 5.30. And what what would be the most, ex- I mean, obviously when you're on the court, but what would be the most exciting thing that you've experienced since you've been there? Since you've been there since when, again? Since July, I since think. Since July, okay. Yeah. I mean, practicing with Rafa, I already practiced with him like a few times, like five. So every time I practice with him, it's a nice experience. I mean, it's Rafa. So, yeah, get to know them. And, yeah, I'm practicing with Casper now, who is in the academy too, so... We, we get to know these players and their coaches and their families, so it's pretty nice. And, and what, what have you learned um, since you've been there as far as being able to practice with Rafa and Casper? <coughs> Anything that stands out to you when you first hit with them? Uh, I mean, they're pretty disciplined with all the things they do. They practice pretty much what they do on court, so that's pretty good to know. And, yeah, I mean, I've been having some lessons with Tony, too, who is amazing, too. He knows so much. Um, he's always he's he loves tennis too, so that's pretty good to know. And he's here with Felix too, so he's it's good to know that sometimes he comes to see me practice, and he is always giving me giving me some tips too. So it's pretty good. Can you tell us some of those tips that he's helped you helped you with? Uh, he just always tell me to hit the ball because now these days you have to be aggressive in tennis, so. That's basically a main tip he always gives to me. Yeah. What do you look forward to to bring into your game for the next year or two? Definitely has to be the intensity. That's something that all the players have, the top players. And, yeah, being constant every time, don't miss a lot. And as far as mentality, because we're always talking about the intensity that Mm. you mentioned with Rafa and the mentality that he brings, anything you learned from experiencing that mentality with him? I mean, it's just pretty being being patient, and especially when things aren't aren't going that well. So it's always uh, it's always hitting the ball so hard. So sometimes he does he misses a lot, but he is always trying. That's what I always see. And you got you got the opportunity to play for your Paraguay for Davis Cup, correct? Yeah. How, how was that experience for you? Because it's a different experience for tennis, right? It's a team competition. How is that different for you? Yeah, playing for Davis Cup for your country is very different. You you can win against everyone or lose against everyone. It's a completely different competition. I've been play. I already started playing with them uh, since I think 2019 already. So I started pretty young, and I'm getting used to it every time. So it's very nice. Playing f- home. Just tell us a little bit about your home in Paraguay for those that don't know too much about Paraguay. What's what's the thing that you love the most about it? Well, it has to be the food, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so Paraguay is pretty nice, would you say? Um, but especially the people are pretty nice. They're pretty. When you're uh, from another country, especially, they treat you very nice. That is not something that you see in every country. So that's something you have to know from Paraguay. That's for sure. Keep an ear out for 18-year-old Daniel. Vallejo, a 79% win record as a junior, and he's already twice halved his world ranking over the past year or so. It'll be interesting to see how he progresses throughout 2023. 
So that is it for this week. Lots going on in South America and North America at the moment. Plus the first of the ATP 500s this year, all set to get underway in Rotterdam. Remember, you can keep up to date with all those events on the ATP WTA Live app, on the Tennis TV app, or simply on atptour.com. I'm Seb Lozier. We'll be back next weekend for another pod. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Enjoy the tennis.